This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Time is six minutes after two o'clock. Welcome to uh, the last hour of uh, the Power Zone right here on Power 98.7. We have Lerato Shawani who's on standby uh, to speak to us as we speak right now. Uh, she's a human capital specialist uh, coming through to the show this morning uh, to help us look at those unemployment numbers. So we saw uh, just an announcement by the Statistician General Stats SA earlier on in the week uh, where they were t- telling us or letting us in on the numbers, right? Uh, where we're standing, uh, how uh, we saw developments tend to take shape in uh, the third quarter of uh, the year. And uh, this is where uh, then uh, we see them uh, just pushing a suggestion here uh, that South Africa uh, has really then returned uh, to uh, the pre-COVID numbers in terms of those uh, that are unemployed. Uh, the unemployment rate uh, dropping by 0.7%, uh, just looking at uh, us Standing now at 31.9%. Uh, this being in the third quarter of 2023. Comparing this uh, to the previous three months, uh, where then uh, we saw the numbers just slightly uh, being at 32.6%. Uh, there was also a drop where that is concerned. So this figures really marking the second consecutive decrease in South Africa as jobless rate. So we'll explore this and more with Lerato this morning all the way to 2.30, but also inviting you at home to form part of this conversation, uh, this being on 0861 uh, We're also there uh, on X, uh, this being on uh, at uh, PowerFM987. Uh, We're reading behind uh, the hashtag uh, PowerZone uh, this morning, also at Katlero Lerodi underscore. Let's go there by X and really behind uh, this conversation uh, this morning as well. Lerato, good morning. Welcome to the show. Um, good morning to you, Katlero. Um, thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, no, thank you very much for giving us uh, your time uh, this morning, uh, coming through at a, a crucial time, as uh, we know very well that uh, all of these developments and what is happening in the country will tend to uh, inform how uh, then a lot of people tend to make uh, their choice next year uh, where the general elections are concerned. But we're seeing uh, actually uh, just in the third quarter of the year, uh, those numbers of those that are unemployed are decreasing uh, for the second uh, time and uh, this is a, a great picture uh, when you look at how then we're inching uh, towards the pre-COVID numbers uh, those uh, that uh, really w- would have tried by all means to mitigate uh, looking at the fact that uh, COVID-19 had its own impact on uh, the jobs numbers in the country. Yes, that's, that's very true. Um, I mean, look, it's a, it's a positive improvement mm-hmm. considering the impact that you know COVID had on a lot of sectors as far as, you know, unemployment was concerned. Mm. So looking at the fact that, you know, this is the, you know, the second improvement, it kind of shows that um, certain sectors are starting to actually open up and and, and, and people are starting to actually get employed, which, um, which for us, I mean, as we are aging closer to a very critical time next year, means that, you know, the economy, is, is which was contracted is slowly but surely mm. um, showing some sort of improvement. And, and, and that has to be commended, especially considering that, you know, the private sector is, you know, the one that is being attributed to um, this improvement as well. 
Mm. I mean, also, uh, this is something that uh, we've been looking for for the longest of time uh, because uh, we are a nation that is just expecting bad news, right, uh, from left, right, and center. And this uh, tends to give us uh, some sort of hope uh, that uh, we are uh, trying to stabilize uh, the way that we would have wanted uh, to uh, because the uh, uh, quarterly, uh, you know, that labor force, uh, really quarter by quarter, uh, we saw it shedding uh, the numbers. Uh, we saw companies also restructuring in the way that they're approaching uh, this uh, market uh, that is uh, a market that is in any way when you look at it uh, inconsistent looking at the economy as we speak uh, right now uh, so do we see then various of these sectors uh, starting to uh, bear fruit uh, where are we attributing this uh, decrease uh, in in the unemployment numbers to so the sectors that have been um, highlighted as having contributed to um, this, this decrease are the finance, mm-hmm. um, agriculture, um, community and social services. And I think what we, we need to also caution, while very hopeful and positive, um, the agriculture sector uh, specifically is known for its seasonality. So we might we might see this improvement in the fact that there was an uptake in um, you know in quarter three on seasonal employment mm-hmm. um, as you know people are, are preparing for um, whether it's importing exports all of that in the agricultural sector. But finance for me piqued my interest um, particularly mm-hmm. because of the fact that um, we've had. We've also seen a trend of international, um, you know, finance and um, fintech companies basically mm-hmm. using the South African labor force. Um, we hope we hope that continues because this is where um, I've seen quite a lot of, you know, uptake and employment of especially our young graduates mm-hmm. um, in that particular sector. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about fintech and how then we seeing the world uh, tend to move, uh, really it would be disingenuous for South Africa not to uh, also uh, catch on and uh, for all of these companies not to come through and invest uh, in uh, the country, uh, looking at the potential of a booming space and market uh, where the industrial, I mean, the fourth and the fifth industrial revolution is concerned and how then everyone is moving into the whole uh, cardless and seamless ways of uh, doing and purchasing yes so i mean you're correct um you know the fintech industry also because it's such a growing industry Mm. is one of the sectors that is also very open to um employing and giving opportunities to young graduates with no experience which is something that we are trying to encourage other sectors i mean in my profession um, we are always encouraging sectors to give um, youth employment opportunities through either graduate programs and um, internships. So the fintech industry has been the one that is very open to taking graduates straight out of university, training them, spending the time to just develop. And that also translates into skills that um, can be used in the country in, you know, in other industries as well. Mm. And also, when you look at how then uh, things are faring in this particular regard, we're still seeing uh, young people as the ones that are in the receiving end. The numbers there are still really unacceptably high. Uh, when you look at how uh, then uh, things are faring in this particular regard, uh, where where do you place uh, the youth? So the youth, um, we I mean, we would have to look at it from a two pronged approach. 
So where you have the 15 to 24-year-olds um, who still account for like 58% of, you know, um, unemployment. And then you have your 25 to 34-year-olds who are sitting at a little under 40%. I think it's 38.3%. So the first group, 15 to 24-year-olds, those are um, your post-metric um, individuals. And, and, and this is where, I mean, if we're looking at things holistically, um, previously, matric used to be a qualification that would actually open mm-hmm. doors. The dial has shifted to, um, you know, post-matric qualifications, which then accounts for, I mean, your 25 to 34-year-olds are people that have completed an undergraduate qualification of some sort. And, you know, they are more marketable and, and, and employable, if I can put it in that sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas the ones with just a matric um, it, it, it's also very difficult to get into um, opportunities, long-term opportunities. You find that they are in opportunities that are seasonal or, you know, temporary employment where it's more, it's seasonal. You come in for a few months because, you know, there's a high level of manual work that needs to be done. Um, like in the retail sector, agriculture agricultural sector, you would come in and the work is very seasonal and, and not permanent. Whereas with post-degree um, youth um, who are sitting at 25 to 34-year-olds, those are where the opportunities, you know, the graduate opportunities are sitting there in internships because they have, um, you know, that qualification that kind of sets them apart um, from the other groups. Mm. And and also, I mean, uh, really, when you look at uh, how things have been faring and moving over time, uh, would you then say that uh, we we see these numbers, the decrease in uh, the unemployment numbers uh, coming through or being attributed to uh, maybe those that are, are contractors, uh, those that are temporary uh, employment and those that find themselves uh, within this space and even freelancers, where do we place them in, in these in numbers that we see them being released a quarter after the other? So it's, it's, it's a mixture, but I mean, um, I'm inclined to, 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 to actually want to interrogate the numbers a bit mm-hmm. more. I mean, the, you know, the seasonal and the temporary um, employment mm. opportunities are quite rife in the market because mm. businesses also go through, um, you know, allow and they go through an increase in work. And I mean, in, in some of the sectors that I work in, I found that it's also dependent on the work that, um, you know, the, the various private sector organizations are getting from also public sector. Mm. So that also has an, uh, you know, um, an impact because if I have secured a six month, you know, contract um, and I need additional resources, I will get those um, resources for the mm. six months, but there's no guarantee that beyond that six months, um, those opportunities will continue. So a lot of it is, is, is basically seasonal and contract work. And we mm. also have to look at other aspects around, you know, the contract and seasonal work and the increase itself and look at, um, you know, are these are these jobs that we are seeing also paying a decent living wage? Yeah. You know, then that becomes another discussion as well. 
Oh, yeah, that's another one uh, because uh, you hear uh, often that uh, a lot of companies would make these disclaimers that, uh, you know, we are a company that don't have money. We are struggling even before you tend to negotiate your salary. Already they've given you a sense that, oh, we are struggling so that you can limit or cut down uh, if you were aiming high in terms of your negotiations in this particular uh, regard. I also wanted to ask you, Lerato, then about uh, the discouraged job seekers where where do we place the discouraged job seekers in in this particular regard do we also see greater efforts to bring them back into the space of being encouraged and move into wanting to form part of this labor force so you know it's it it it's always disheartening when you um when you look at these figures and and you see that there's certain um, you know, young people or youth mm. who have been, you know, form part of, of you know, these um, people that are not economically active. Mm. And, and, and one of the things that the private sector and a lot of people just, you know, out there continue to preach is around getting people involved in the mm. economy in, you know, in very creative ways. Um, and 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 it goes back to one the you know the the youth that are sitting at um, you know the 15 to 24 year or the post matric, yeah. where we understand we live in a country where post matric education is a privilege. Um, it's it's not an opportunity that is provided to 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 all. And you'll find that those that are disheartened are sitting in that particular. Um, you know, age group or demographic. And this is where we need to look at other opportunities um, to get them into the economy and participating. And this is where your TVET colleges and artisan programs and other such programs can actually bring people into the economy, into jobs. Um, We'll always have a need for, you know, artisans. We'll always have a need for skills that, um, a person does not necessarily need to actually have a three-year diploma or a degree. Um, there are jobs in the service industry that actually don't need a formal qualification, but it's actually a skill that a person can acquire on the job. We need to start looking at bringing those individuals into structured programs where a person can come in and be trained on the job, um, get the opportunity to earn an income, while they're also um, getting a skill. Yeah, no. Uh, those are the strategies that are needed uh, to be explored. Indeed, if we are to uh, get it right and we see the numbers of those that are uh, unemployed uh, just tending to change uh, and we see people getting into uh, the labor force. But uh, just a reminder to you at home uh, that our guest this morning is Lerato Shawani. Uh, she's a human capital specialist uh, joining us in this particular space uh, to speak to us about uh, the latest unemployment numbers uh, that we saw uh, just go down a bit. So you're welcome to really form part of the conversation as well uh, there on social media by X also uh, just by calling in on our line Uh, this being on 0861-987-000. I wanted to also uh, go into uh, the provinces. Uh, We see uh, you know Western Cape Premier Ellen Wendy celebrating here and saying that uh, this uh, really uh, the numbers and us seeing uh, the province uh, become uh, tops in terms of uh, the one 
that is creating or created a large number of uh, you know workers uh, in the uh, the previous quarter uh, he's saying that this can be attributed to issues of uh, governance and creating an enabling environment uh, that would then see a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses uh, tend to find a space within the western cape's value chain what what do you make of of, of his uh, you know observations assertions here uh, in terms of uh, what we saw come out of those uh, numbers so the the western cape is actually a very interesting um province as far as these you know um you know these unemployment um statistics are concerned mm. and and I, I i tend to agree with um you know what the premier has actually said because we've seen um over the last three years um quite an, an increase in the number of opportunities that are coming up in the Western Cape. Um, the Western Cape is, is, is also um, to be attributed to something we, we call semigration, where we're seeing a lot of people um, moving from Gauteng, um, particularly, which used to be known as the economic hub, mm. to the Western Cape. Um, you know, the Western Cape has, has also created an environment where we've seen quite a number of fintech companies um, establishing operations in, in that particular province. Mm. Um, there have been a number of um, companies that have also moved or expanded some of their operations to the Western Cape. And we also have to look at um, the, the agricultural element as well in the Western Cape where you've, you've got the winelands and the wine farms. And that, that in itself brings in um, quite a number of um, seasonal employment opportunities. And from those seasonal employment opportunities, you also then see um, Western Cape also as a great tourist um, attraction internationally. So opportunities for people also in the travel and tourism um, sector to be established in the Western Cape. So it's, 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 it's a positive, very positive um, improvement. And it's, it's quite encouraging to see that the Premier himself has actually, um, you know, come up and said, listen, we are making um, a conscious effort to ensure that we enable small businesses and other um, organizations to thrive in the Western Cape, which then now translates into people getting opportunities in that particular province. Um, yeah, no, uh, really, your observations are right. And I think uh, it's something that all of these provinces can really borrow from uh, the Western Cape in uh, creating that enabling environment. I mean, here uh, in Gauteng, uh, we have the uh, Township Economic Development Act uh, that uh, really, if prudent and if applied, uh, will tend to see a booming in uh, the township economic space. Uh, but that too is experiencing a little bit of uh, challenges here and there, and we don't see it finding a meaning uh, in its entirety. Uh, but also, when you look at uh, what has been happening over time, uh, what, would you say that uh, really uh, we are getting our state-owned entities right uh, so that they can they too can create an enabling environment for the economy to really move in a way that we won't see all of these issues coming out of transnet and then tending to 
really affect a whole lot of other uh, sectors like your agriculture and the likes, uh, those sectors that are very, very pivotal in terms and have been sustainable in terms of the creation of uh, jobs uh, over time. Uh, Just in in terms of how then we are experiencing our economic challenges here at home, uh, would you say that uh, all of these issues are hampering uh, economic growth and which is why then we don't see uh, the numbers coming through of those uh, that are are employed? Uh, We often also don't see uh, those well-needed investments uh, into the country, into these provinces uh, that will also uh, then uh, create these jobs because we hear President Cyril Ramaphosa year in, year out at that investment conference speaking big numbers, uh, billions, trillions uh, and you'd expect to see uh, these numbers, you know, uh, translating into uh, companies that would invest into South Africa and jobs uh, created in in this particular regard. Uh, Narato? Um, yes, so I, I, I feel like, um, and I'm of the view that, you know, these numbers are a positive improvement. Mm. However, we need to also work on having an enabling environment mm. and restoring investor confidence um, in South Africa as just, you know, as, as, as a brand. And look, in, in, in as much as, um, you know, we, you know, the Western Cape will make for a great textbook, um, you know, example of how an enabling environment, um, you know, can, can assist with, you know, um, employment of people in a particular province. It's, it's, it's not all negative. I mean, we've seen some positive, um, you know, movement in investor confidence that will honestly result in, you know, the creation of jobs. I mean, Ford, um, which has a manufacturing plant mm-hmm. in um, in Pretoria, has, you know, since last year, basically given the assurance that um, they will continue to invest in South Africa, um, you know, through the creation of jobs, through the manufacturing of certain um, models mm-hmm. of their vehicles exclusively here in South Africa. We've seen that in the automotive um, industry particularly, also with BMW basically saying that, um, you know, their Silverton branch is going to be dedicated to, you know, creating opportunities for South Africans and is going to be the exclusive, one of the exclusive manufacturers of the X3 model for export. So we're seeing that, um, you know, in pockets. However, it would be fantastic if we see it, you know, in, in, you know, in other sectors, um, if we see it also in other provinces, because, you know, the automotive um, examples that I've just provided are, you know, helping examples. But obviously, because of the output from these particular um, automotive, you know, uh, manufacturers, it will translate into other opportunities. Um, you know, from you know a a logistics perspective, where these you know vehicles that are produced mm. are now going to you know to the ports yeah. um, to to Durban, all of those things. But it would be really really encouraging if we had more of these large scale investment opportunities, and also the smaller, mm. um, you know, the SMMEs are still very very um, important yeah. in the creation of opportunities, especially for, you know, our young, inexperienced, um, you know, youth. Yeah. Uh, Lerato, we have Monica uh, who's calling us from Mapetla, uh, who wants to engage with us uh, this morning. I'm going to uh, open the line for Monica and then uh, we'll come back and then wrap up uh, our conversation. Uh, Monica, uh, good morning. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning to you and your listeners. Yeah, you're most welcome, Monica. Uh, 
Yeah, I just wanted to find out generally, um, is, are we celebrating that uh, for unemployment? That is, is it better or there is hope in it? Uh, uh, yeah, nevertheless, let me just comment about unemployment. Uh, I mean, corruption, let's agree that it's still employment of mm-hmm. South Africans. Yeah. Um, because when we talk of infrastructure development of the country and the money and the budget that has been coming in, a lot of that money that we still don't know how our great grandchildren mm-hmm. going to repay that money, mm-hmm. it has never yielded um, a employment. Day. When we talk of infrastructure, we're also talking about agricultural dams uh, and whatever. And obviously, there is we we it's tenders. When we talk of employment, we talk of tenders, and those tenders are um, being a, a short term. There is ex- exploitation around that. And I'm also thinking that when well, the Panyaza 33 uh, percent, whether that really can be called it employment day. And another thing I just want to remind you, your guests and all the listeners, that what happened with the CETAS, because CETAS was, I remember I was a youth there, CETAS was uh, one of those uh, whatever initiatives that was done by those, the government that came earlier, that they will employ and train uh, young people to, you know, to be skilled and to participate in the economy, and obviously it will be a decent salary and a, a, a decent housing, and you participate fully in the economy. But we know that those seaters, uh, there was a lot of corruption. Mm. That one of them, I don't even uh, one to forget in, in Pumalanga under the David Makura when um, they took a, a student from metric and they there was an 84 million or more than that million that they will train those children. I remember mm. the story was published by Richard Gallant at Mail and Guardian. Mm-hmm. That when they agreed about that, the person was also part of the agreement that they would come with this initi- initiative to teach the young people in Pumalanga, you know, skills, different kinds. They just mentioned it was nice in the paper. But later on, it, it just happened that um, it just went up in smoke. The reasons were those kids. Cannot they can't cope, you know, in those um, because of the failure rate or the marks that they receive in 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 the treat. Another thing is uh, our education, as your guest talked about, the you know building the cars. Uh, is our education uh, fit enough, or is our, our your 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 graduate orientation in mechanical engineering or metric do you know can do they i mean here we're talking about the 
33%. I'm not insinuating that our children do not have the ability to do that. But I'm saying, uh, uh, what are we producing now? Mm. We are not producing a crop of young people who can match the standard of the world when it comes to education or building a car that will, that will go, you know, miles. So this is, this is the, the, the reality that uh, I'm talking about, that in general, uh, for instance, I mean, yeah. sister, every shop in the made in China, every shop in the Makula, our textile industry is gone because we, we are importing everything, including the biscuits. So how are we going to have the job, really? Because the only job that we see, that I see in most cases, is your know, security or bodyguard, yeah, Yeah, Monica, I want you to just wrap it up nicely for us so we can give Larato an opportunity to respond. Our guest who's in studio is on standby right now. Oh, do you want me to hold them or what? All right. No, Osmanika, then thank you very much for uh, for, for giving us uh, your observations. What, what do you make, uh, Lerato, of what Osmanika was saying here around issues of education, corruption, and the likes, and uh, the CETAs? I mean, very, very important uh, when you looked at how that sector uh, had to really create and train a lot of young people into some of these sectors of uh, the economy. And we've, we haven't seen a move uh, from that, and we're not seeing uh, that particular space creating uh, the well-needed jobs. Let let me just give you an opportunity here uh, to just give us your parting short as you uh, reply to that particular question. Yes, so I I, I actually love the fact that the issue of the skills that um, you know our learning institutions are churning out um, that, that there seems to be some sort of disconnect um, in you know, as preparing our young people or our graduates, basically for you know for the market, and this is an opportunity for um, you know the public sector and the various industries to go into the learning institutions and and basically start imparting and and giving quite a lot of input into you know the learning programs that exist to to also align them to that is going to be needed. Um, you know, should when these graduates complete their qualifications. Um, I mean, it happens in in, in some industries, but not in most. Um, You know, skills around the fourth industrial revolution, um, you know, the coding skills, we're finding that a lot of um, companies, especially your IT um, industries and sectors, seem to be the ones that are going into institutions and, and, and basically giving input into the type of content and the types of programs um, that would be needed for, you know, their particular industry. But, the, you know, the, the CETA still plays such a critical role, um, you know, in ensuring that we are skilling up our youth and giving them the opportunities. While I note that, um, you know, your your um, your caller mentioned issues of corruption and how it has impeded, um, you know, the the opportunities. Because especially with your large scale infrastructure um, um, 
you know, projects. That's where we've, we've seen and we felt, you know, the biggest impact where those projects in, you know, I mean, if we're talking top of mind, um, you know, the Guiani Water um, project, which mm. has been highly topical the last couple of days. Those are the types of pro- projects in, you know, in provinces where there's high unemployment rates. Those would be great opportunities for us to get people involved and being economically active and actually having employment opportunities. And it, it does actually, it's an indictment on us as, as a society, mm. whether we're in the private sector or the public sector, yeah. to actually start I'm looking at every opportunity as an opportunity to impart and um, give people employment opportunities. We have to look at an enabling um, the private sector, your small, medium enterprises. We also have to look at the legislation and, and not making it difficult for, you know, your small, medium enterprises to operate and not frustrating them. So there's quite a lot mm. that needs to be done and it needs to be a collaboration between the public sector and the private sector. And we've seen how that translates quite positively with, you know, the Western Cape example that yeah. we've discussed. Um, yeah. And we need to also learn uh, from these numbers in terms of what are they saying about some of these sectors that we have, if there's a potential there, if we need to place greater effort in ensuring that we tap into these spaces that are created within uh, some of these sectors uh, so that we keep seeing those numbers uh, come through uh, for us. But Lerato, I want us to leave it here for this morning. How do we follow you? How do we follow your work? Um, you can find me on X. Um, mm. It's Shawane Al. And I'm also available on LinkedIn, um, Lerato Shawane. And Lerato- so your listeners are welcome to contact me. Ah, Larato, really appreciate your time this morning. Please don't be a stranger. Uh, we really appreciate your insights this morning. I mean, time just flew by. I, I'm looking at it. I'm like, <laughs> where did this time go? And, you know, it's always a plus when you see and you hear our listeners also uh, call in to engage uh, when there's a guest that we have uh, on the show. So we really appreciate you coming on this morning. Thank you very much to you and your listeners. Awesome. Larato Shawani uh, coming through there as a human capital specialist. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.